Welcome to Life Church of Mobile's audio podcast. We hope that this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thanks for joining us and enjoy. I want to take just a few minutes today to share with you about don't let the bad eat up the good. You know, one of the issues that we have to constantly battle is how do we stay positive in a negative world? I mean, there's a lot of negative stuff out there. We're surrounded with the negative, with cynical people and, and the dreadful and the sad and the terrible. And after a while, listen, every now and then I'll turn the news on and I can only take so much. I got to go hear some good news. I got to get the word going. I got to start listening to some good teaching and getting some stuff going on inside me. Because if you saturate yourself with that, you will, you will become just like them. So how do you stay positive when you're bombarded with the negative? You know, even Paul had to deal with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 and 6, he said, For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Even Paul knew what it was like to be troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts, inside were fears. Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Paul was encouraged because one of the brothers in Christ came and brought him some encouragement. Every now and then, that's why you need to come to church. So you can do like Paul and get some encouragement. Church ought to be an encouraging place. Church ought to be an exciting place. Even with bad things happening in the world, there ought to be an oasis. A a place of refreshing where the presence of God can be experienced like we've already experienced him here this morning. Well, if I can't, I tell you what, if I can't get a Pentecostal shout, I'll take a Baptist grunt. Thank you. I just want to make sure I'm in the right house this morning. God has given us a wonderful how-to manual, though, and it's called the Word of God. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for your Word. In it are instructions about not letting the bad eat up the good. We are not called to be failure-oriented people. We are called to go from glory to glory. And somebody said, well, Brother Scotty, doesn't the Bible prophesy that in the end times things are going to get bad? Yeah, it does. But it also prophesies that there's going to be a great outpouring of the Spirit of God in the end times. And so the end times are going to be a time of great contrast. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of things going on. But I tell you what, the Spirit of God is going to move like never before. God always saves the best wine for last. And so if you believe these are the last days, we ought to be excited. Because Proverbs 4.18, listen to this, what it says. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. You're going to shine brighter than you've ever been shining before, ever in your life. I'm telling you, the darker it gets in the world, the brighter the church is going to shine. Glory be to God. So how can we move into the future with faith and expectation? Well, Philippians 4, 8 says, finally, brethren, you know this, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Somebody say amen. Amen. What we need is an upper room baptism. 
Now, let me me explain to you. This is an upper room baptism. Somebody say, my my upper room. We need spirit. What's this? We need spirit-baptized brains. Somebody said we need a checkup from the neck up. I like that. That's good. But we need spirit-baptized brains. We need an upper room baptism. We need Holy Ghost, what's this, sanctified brains, so that we think like God thinks. And you see, a lot of of people think, oh, I need a sanctified brain. Having a sanctified brain and having a sanctified mind is a whole lot more than about not sinning. It's about thinking right. It's about knowing Him. It's about looking at things the way that God looks at them. So that we don't become hopeless. I want you to tell somebody around you, I'm not hopeless. We need sanctified minds. Minds that are, that, are, that are the mind of Christ. Because here's what I've discovered. If you hear a lie long enough and you meditate on it long enough, you'll begin believing that it's true. But in Genesis chapter 41, I'm not going to take time to read you the story. You know the story. Pharaoh has a dream. And there's, there's uh, skinny cows and fat cows. And so Joseph interprets that dream. And, uh, you know, all of us are going to have good times and bad times. And, and Joseph interprets that dream. And, of course, there's that, the, the, the cows represent seven years of famine and seven years of plenty. And we're, all of us are going to face times of sometimes are going to be, some days are going to be better than others. Be less than honest if we didn't say that. But the Bible shows us how to live in both. Come on, it's quiet in here. And here's what I've discovered. In Genesis 41, as Joseph interprets this dreams, he and his family's destiny, watch this, is going to be determined by how they handle the good times to take them through the bad times. And, and I think there's even scripture that says the entire destiny of the world hinged upon knowing how to handle good times so that you can get through the difficult seasons. Amen? So... I remember Brother Dick used to preach a message, and Brother Dick, I think he's here this morning. So, and I, I'm, I don't, I'm not old enough to remember this song, but I just remember Brother Dick talking about it. He would say, "You got to accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, and something about something in between. Don't mess around with Mister In Between. Is that right? Something like that. I like that. Now, I'm not old enough to remember that song." But I remember Brother Dick preaching it. And that's a good word. That is a good word. We need to learn how to maximize the good times, maximize the positive, minimize the negative in order to make it through the times when there might be a famine in the world. And in this dream, the skinny cows ate up the fat cows. I want you to make a declaration with me this morning. Everybody say, I'm not going to have skinny cow mentality. 
What I'm saying is, I am not going to live a life where the skinny cows is always eating up all my fat cows. Now, that's some country preaching right there. You got to understand cows. Some of you, all you know about cows is walking in the store and, and seeing a picture on one of a milk carton. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. That's right, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> The bad times eat up the good times in this dream. But what we've got to decide is even during the bad times, even during seasons when it doesn't seem like it, we are more than conquerors. Not some of the time. We are more than conquerors all of the time. But we can't let the bad eat up the good. You can even do that in church. I have known people through the years, and I've been doing this a long time. Let me tell you, I've known people through the years. They'll come to church. And man, we'll have a service like we've had this morning. I mean, where God's spirit is just dripping and people are laying out and people are getting healed and signs and wonders and miracles and people are getting born again, even before the preaching and people are having hands laid on them and great things are happening and God is moving. And you know what? 99 good things can happen. They'll find the one bad thing to complain about. Say, I love you, Brother Scott. And all of these good things are happening, and they'll get you. And, and, you know, there are times when I've had to say, thank you, Jesus, Lord, God, I'm not going to call fire down. Lord, I'm not going to walk in an old, try to walk in an old covenant anointing. Grace, grace. Mercy, mercy. But I want to say, all that's happening out here, all the good that's going on, and it has happened through the years, and all you got to say is, all you saw out of all of that was this, Lord, help you and help me too. Oh, man, I'm going to tell you, there's too much good going on. You can get robbed of your experience with the Lord when you have a skinny cow mentality. I am not going to operate in a skinny cow mentality, and I'm not going to allow it in this house in Jesus' name. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Jesus. When you focus on that one thing that bothers you, you allow the bad to eat up the good. And you know what? After, the, after you act like that and do that, and, and whether it's about church or something else, you might as well just say, rah, 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 yada, 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 blah, 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 blah. Thank you, Mr. Devil. Now I'll just go have a bad day. <laughs> Everybody say not in this house. <laughs> oh, don't let the bad eat up the good. You know, you've got a lot going for you. But here's what I am declaring. Even in the midst of a bad season, God can bring a shift. And this is a prophetic word, and I'm going to mix in some of the prophetic today for this year. And I'm talking about, what's this? And you need to write this down, a divine reversal. In the bad times, as you stay faithful, and you don't have a skinny cow mentality, you don't let them skinny cows eat up those fat ones. As you stay faithful, God can reverse everything that seems to be going against you and turn it around and bring honor and glory to his name and promote you. Your problems this year are not going to defeat you. They're going to promote you. God can bring a shift. And I believe a divine reversal 
to the bad times. And I believe that 2015 is going to be a year of turn around. Somebody say amen. Let me show you an example of this. Look in Daniel chapter 3. Man, I've got to hurry. Might have to do some more of this next week. I don't know if I can get it all in. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. We don't, a lot of us probably don't spend a whole lot of time in Daniel, but there's, there's a great, great story here. And of course, this is the story of the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, I'll never will forget, Brother Dick, a few years ago, we had, a, we had a hallelujah night up here, and everybody dressed up in biblical characters. And we had three little, little boys up there, and they were dressed up, and so they had to, each person that dressed up, they had to come up and share who they were. And so these three little boys came up, and we said, well, who are you? And they said, we're Shadrach, Meshach, and Neshach. <laughs> they couldn't say Abednego. So they just made up another name, Shadrach, Meshach, and Neshach. Every time I, I think about that, every time I read this story. But this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And let me tell you something, young people. This is teen, these are three teenagers. Three teenagers who refused to compromise their lives. And in chapter 3 of Daniel... Verse 11, I, I could read on and on and on, but it says, And whoever does not fall down, the king makes a decree and says, Whoever does not fall down, but now here's where we miss it. Watch this. This is important, especially in light of what God is doing in this house right now. The king didn't say, and the decree wasn't just fall down. It was fall down, watch this, and worship, coach. You better fall down and you better worship. It was serious. Because let me tell you, God is serious about worship. These three boys, these three teenagers, declared, well, let's, let's go on and read it. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And there were certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. So these three teenage boys, teenagers, it's time to make a stand. It's time to decide who we're going to worship. And for churches, it's time to decide, are we going to worship God? Are we going to limit God? Are we going to bow our knee to the decree of king culturally, uh, uh, whatever is happening right now, and restrict the move of the Holy Spirit so that everybody will think we're awesome and we're wonderful and nobody will be offended? Are we going to bow our knee? Or are we willing as a group of believers, are we willing as people of God, are we willing as young people to say, as for me and my house, we are going to worship God. We're going to follow God. We are not going to restrict the movement of the Holy Spirit in this house. Just as surely as they were told to bow their knee, there is a cry that goes out this day and says, bow your knee. Do we really have to be so radical in our worship? Do we really have to be 
I mean, after all, can't we just sing a song and, and have this service in an hour and run everybody in and run everybody out and make sure nobody gets offended? And if you don't, you're going to end up in the fiery furnace of rejection and nobody's going to come to your church. i tell you this. I'd rather have the presence of God than the acceptance of the world. We are not here to try to please the king. We are here to please the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And what is happening in this house right now is a direct result of the presence of the Lord. It is not because I'm the greatest preacher or we have the greatest musicians or all of these things or we have the most elaborate building. It is because of the presence of Almighty God. And I make this decree this day, we will bow our knee only to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Man, I didn't mean to preach all that and say all that. But let me tell you, we're talking about a divine shift. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you know the rest of the story as you look on down. They went into the fiery furnace rather than worship at the altar of convenience. It would have been easy to say, you know what? I'll just kneel down here and I really won't worship. I'll just, you know, I'll just do this. And even though I really still believe in that, and I really still believe in it, you know, we're just not going to do this. We're sure not going to do it publicly on Sunday morning in church. Even though I still believe in it, you know, we're going to restrict that. And we're not going to do that. And we're going to kneel down here as a matter of convenience Mm -hmm. just to get through this. They didn't do that. They said, no, this king. Well, let's just read it. Of course, in, in verse 19. Well, let's look at verse 17. If that is the case... Uh, if, if, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, verse 18, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Amen. We're not going to worship anything that has been set up that takes us away from our God. And they, these guys made this de- 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 declaration at the risk of their lives. And so, you know, the rest of the story, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And as they were in the midst of the fiery furnace, the king looks in and he said, didn't we, guys, tell me something. Didn't we put three in there? Well, my eyes are playing tricks on me, but I promise you it looks like four to me. And it looks like the son of God. Sometimes, if you're willing to do what God has told you to do, even if it means that you have to walk into the fire, I guarantee you this, you will not walk in the fire and you will not walk through the fire alone. They'll look in the fire and say, didn't the devil look in there and say, didn't we put one in? How come I see two? And it looks like Jesus. I want you to make a declaration with me this morning. I'm not going through the fire alone, ever. Ever. 
We want to know where God is. Sometimes God is in the fire when we're willing to pay the price and not compromise. When we're willing to say, whatever happens, happens. But Lord, know this, I will follow Jesus. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, Lord, we are going after you with our whole heart. Because I tell you what, I'd rather be in the fire with Jesus than in the palace by myself. They look in the midst of that fire, but watch this. This year is going to be a year of divine reversal because God showed up in the fire. And I won't take time to read you the rest of the story, but if you go on and read the rest of the story, the king said, I don't know another God like this. That's what really people are looking for today. They aren't looking for dead, dried up religion. They're looking for a move of the Spirit of God. They're looking for the superna- a supernatural encounter. Young people, man, be willing to worship God. Be willing to pray. Be- begin to pray for people. Begin to pray for miracles. Begin to Amen. do what Jesus called you to do. Amen. They're not looking for some reasoning, That's something right. that, that can make them smarter than they've been. They're looking for an encounter with a supernatural God in a supernatural way with supernatural results. And if we want that kind of thing, sometimes we've got to be willing to pay the price. Step into the fire and then watch Jesus show up because what happened in this case was the king said there is not another God like this from now on the God of these three guys that's our God and if you read the rest of the story a divine shift took place a reversal took place instead of dying they got promoted I am not going to let the skinny cows eat up my fat cow. I'm telling you this. God will see me through. God will make a way. And if I have to walk through the fire, if we have to walk through the fire, we'll come out on the other side and revival's going to be birthed. Somebody give a shout to the Lord. All right, I got to do this and then I got to quit. I promised I was going to try to do this fast. But there's another example of this. And turn to the book of Esther. And I want to give you some prophecy that, was, that came across my uh, desk over the last couple of weeks that I felt good about 2015 that I believe is going to be a year of divine reversal. Of course, the book of Esther has the story of, of Haman and, and Mordecai that most of you know. And, uh, of course, Mordecai the Jew. But uh, what happened, and I believe that this is going to be a really, really important this year is that 2015 is going to be an incredible time of shifting of fulfillment victory and turnaround somebody say turnaround turnaround. i'm telling you if you have been through a uh, you might have walked through the fire you might have walked through a time of testing you might have walked through a time when it seemed like nothing was working well i'm telling you i believe this year is going to be a year turnaround And let me tell you why. This is interesting. Watch this. The number 15, and I'm not into all of that. I don't know about all that. I just read the Bible. I just read the Word and believe it. But I thought this was interesting. On the 15th day, they had a feast. Israel was called called a celebration of joy. And one of the things that happened was that on the 15th day, they would celebrate something called Purim. The Feast of Purim, which was a celebration of something bad that did not happen in the lives of the Jewish people. 
They celebrated the turnaround that took place because Haman hated Mordecai. He was his mortal enemy. And in the book of Esther, what happens was Haman is trying to figure out how he can destroy Mordecai, but not only destroy Mordecai, but the entire Jewish nation. So he builds a gallus to hang Mordecai on. But as he's building the gallus, and the reason, watch this, and let me go back. Oh, time. The the reason he's building these gallows is because as he was parading through the streets, Mordecai refused to bow down and worship him. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Worship is pretty important to God. And so he gets, he let, Haman let the skinny cows eat up his fat cows. Everybody was bound down but one guy, and he fixated on that one guy. And he did like a lot of people. If you were out in the woods and you got bitten by a snake, a lot of people, what they would do would be run after the snake and try to get the snake instead of going to the doctor and getting rid of the poison. Forget the snake. Get better. Get rid of the poison. You never get ahead by getting even. Stop spending all your effort on that. This man let the skinny cows in his life eat up all the fat. So he's planning, I'm going to kill him, I'm going to hang him. And not only that, I'm going to kill the entire Jewish nation. Well, during this period of time, we're talking, everybody say divine reversal. (laughs) Somebody say turn around. King called Haman in and says, Haman, there is a man in the kingdom that I want to honor. And I need your counsel. And of course, Haman thinks he's talking about him. If he had had suspenders, he'd have been pulling them out as he stood before the king. So, <laughs> Haman says, I'll tell you what I'd do, king. If, I was gonna, if you were going to honor somebody like that, what I'd do is I'd, I would find the most beautiful white stallion you could find. I would put him on the back of that stallion. I would take the king's robe and put it on his back. And I would parade him through the streets. I would have a parade in this man's honor. And I would have everybody honor this man and know that this man is favored by the king. And the king said, what a brilliant idea. I love that idea. That's awesome. That's what I want you to do for Mordecai, the Jew. I'm sure you could have knocked him over with a feather. This man who would not bow, who would not compromise, who would not go back, who would not worship any God but Jehovah God at the risk of his own life, a divine turnaround took place. And instead of being hung on those gallows, if you read the rest of the story, Mordecai was exalted and brought to a place of great prominence in the kingdom, and Haman got hung on the very gallows that he had designed to hang Mordecai the Jew on. 
But not only that, the entire Jewish nation was saved. And so today they celebrate the Feast of Purim. And get this, they celebrate a divine turnaround on the 15th day of the month. What year is this? 2000 Somebody say divine turnaround. I'm telling you, a reversal. What looks like a defeat will turn into a blessing. I've got to stop. Folks, I'm going to tell you, it's time for a divine turnaround. It is time for God to arise and for his enemies to be scattered. It is time, it is time. Let me read you this prophecy. Let me read you just a few of these before we go. They're declaring that this is going to be a year of divine reversals. Not only that, this was interesting, I thought, too. In the Strong's Concordance, the word turned in Hebrew, in this verse in Hebrew, in Esther, do you know what number that is in the Strong's Concordance? It is number 2015. I just thought that was pretty interesting. It means to overturn, to change, to overthrow, to turn around, to transform, to be reversed. This is a year of divine reversal. And they prophesy, and this, this prophecy says, God is going to cause every curse and every assignment from hell to be turned right back upon the head of our spiritual enemy. Amen. Haman built gallows to hang the Jews, but he ended up being hanged on his own gallows. It wasn't only Haman who was destroyed, but also his 10 sons, so they couldn't come back again to even retaliate. Somebody say, let God arise and his enemy be scattered. Oh my, let me, let me close with this. In Genesis chapter 42, verses 8 and 9, I've, I've taught on Joseph so many times, but I've got to close this out. Listen, Joseph, after he'd been through all he'd been through, he came to the place where he was now in prominence in the kingdom. He'd interpreted dreams and, and all of those things, and he stood before his brothers and he looked, and now he was in a place of he could do what he wanted to do. He had power. He had authority. But if you'll look in Genesis chapter 42, in fact, I need to read it. Verse 8 of Genesis 42, it says, So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. But you need to underline the next part of verse 9. Then Joseph remembered the dream. If I had been Joseph, I would have been tempted to remember anything but the dream. Let me tell you what I would have been tempted to remember. You threw me in that pit. You sold me out. I remember when I was in prison, and I translated dreams for a couple of guys that worked for the king, and they said, dude, let me tell you, when we get out of here, we're going to take care of you. You helped us. And they left me in prison to rot. I remembered the wife that falsely accused me and caused me to get put in prison for something I didn't do. But Joseph, 
did not have a skinny cow mentality. He did not allow the bad to eat up the good. He had a declaration, you might have meant it for my bad, but I got news for you. I serve a God who can turn it around. I serve a God of the divine turnaround. I serve a God who can make a way. And God did it. And let me tell you, God allowed it because right now in the position I am in, I am going to save not only my life, but your life and the life of the entire Jewish nation. Oh, my, 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 my. So I pray today that that you'll join with me in realizing that, you know what? God's really not in charge of my happiness. I am. Come on. Everybody hear me now. God's already provided everything I need in life to have joy, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But if I am constantly allowing the skinny cows in my life to eat up the fat ones, I'll never be happy. I got to rise up and I'm going to tell you, I am, I, there's such a prophetic anointing in this house right now. I'm telling you, there are powerful things happening. Reversals are taking place. I'm talking about a shift. And when I talk about a shift, I've said it before. Weeping may endure for the night. What's this? The wealth of the wicked is laid up for. Mm-mm-mm. Somebody may be building a, 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 some gallows for you. Some of those enemies in the spirit may be building some gallows, but I'm here to tell you, God's going to turn it around. Yeah. I said, God's going to turn it around. God's going to turn it around. God's going to turn it around. And it's going to be because we are in agreement with who he says we are. We can do what he says, uh, what he says we can do. And we are going to stick with that. And nothing is going to shift us off of that. Nothing is going to shake us off of that. Amen. I want you to make a declaration with me in the house this morning. I will, I will not be shaken. Some of you don't, don't allow your dreams to die in the ash heap of trying to get even with somebody else. There's only so much energy and effort that you have to go around. If you spend it trying to get back at that old rascal that left you, I'm being nice, call him old rascal. Let me tell you, God's got something better. For some of you, listen, you've had, you've had some painful experiences. You've lost loved ones. There have been times when you felt like you were walking through the fire. I'm going to tell you something. You haven't walked through that fire alone. God's going to bring you out on the other side, and a divine shift is going to take place. And you're going to experience the grace and the glory and the provision of God, Bobby, and Kimberly like never before. It's happening, Bob. It's happening, Brother Johnny. I'm telling you, God is doing great things. And this is a year. I want everybody to say divine shift. Divine shift. Supernatural turnaround. Supernatural Reversal. Reversal. Blessing. Blessing. Favor. Favor. I hope you confess favor over yourself and your family all the time. Every day. Always. 
And I'm telling you, the, 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 clue, the, the, the key in all this, and I, I really was not going to emphasize it, but it's so powerful in light of what is happening. Listen, folks, is we will not compromise our worship. We will not. We will not compromise our worship. In both of these instances, both of these instances, the manifestation that took place of the presence of God is what turned everything around. We begin to compromise our worship, we lose the presence of God. I'm not going to walk to the fire by myself. I am not going to face Haman by myself. I'm not going to face King Nebuchadnezzar by myself. I want to know when I walk through the fire, they're going to look in there and say, wasn't Brother Scotty in there by himself? I see somebody else, and it looks like the son of the Most High God. Young people, stake your life on who you worship. Stake your life on the presence of Almighty God. Don't compromise. Don't back up. The world is looking for a supernatural God that moves in supernatural ways. Thanks again for listening to Life Church of Mobile's podcast. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at lifechurchmobile.com.